0: Happy Tuesday.
1: Good morning, everybody. It is the 25th of October, 2022.
0: It really is.
1: (laughs) Ta-da! Ta-da!
0: And that means we have some birthdays.
1: We do. Do you want to list them all?
0: (laughs) I'm going to let you start with the one.
1: Oh, you want me to... So, yes, it's Moray's birthday. Yes. So, we're saying... Feliz cumpleaños a ti. Singing to uh, Moray. Yes. Feliz cumpleaños a ti. <laughs> He's singing with me, I guarantee I
0: know, you. he is, with his booming voice, which we love so much. Happy birthday, Moray.
1: Feliz cumpleaños a <laughs> moray. <laughs> I sang.
0: Yes, you did. And also, happy birthday to sweet little journey, Um.
1: Happy Happy birthday birthday to you,
0: yeah, yeah, Journey Burke, happy birthday to you.
1: Hey, hey, Journey Burke, (laughs) little Journey Burke. Yes. Wow, it's doxology night tonight.
0: It is, so that means we'll be having dinner here, so live stream will start a little later, but please join us, we'll be celebrating the life of manna. Tonight, Yes, we will. Yeah. So, please join us for that, and that'll lead us into a special doxology.
1: Yes. And you are all invited at the live stream from our website. So, Mm -hmm. blueflame47.com. Yes. It's very exciting. I mean, we love manna, and we love that manna's with quail, and we love that manna's with Jesus. Yes. That's a beautiful thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Any other announcements from Migdal?
0: I don't think so. Really? Yeah.
1: Well. Potent. <laughs> but, uh, sorry. but light. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: I'm trying to Yeah. No. I yeah. think that's, that's good. That's it for right now. Yeah.
1: So it's it's pretty slick here. I was having two separate conversations with Elohim. Completely separate. And I love how sometimes we can do that and then they come together in a very unbelievable way, but wow. So one conversation I was having with Elohim is not new, it's, it's one of those, actually neither of these are new, but um, it's something we've talked about especially recently, but I just want to sort of outline it quickly, and that is um, one conversation was about faith and the other conversation was about intervention. And so, in the first conversation, um, we were just talking about, Elohim and I, uh, that difference between our understanding in English between belief and faith. And so, that was pretty cool because Elohim was able to take me through this idea that faith is something greater than what we have in... English. And so, on the English side of things, when you look at belief, it's really just something that we accept as being the truth. And so, if we believe in God, we accept that there is a God, and that that is the truth, and that God is the creator, the one who created all of this. And and hopefully, all of us believe that God is love, and that the purpose of creation was love. But if we believe that Jesus is our Savior, Jesus the Son of God, our Savior, that Jesus died for us, that we would be reconciled from selfishness, which is not God, to selflessness, which is God, because God is love and love is not self-seeking, then we have covenant with God. So, there's something very important to us about what we accept as being truth. So, um, we look at belief as being that acceptance, but faith. God keeps saying, faith is a relationship. Faith is not just something we believe in; it's not just that we accept it as truth. But faith is interactive. Faith is something that that says, "No, I know God," and and to whatever degree, because obviously a relationship, as we know, can be from from. Uh, acquaintances uh, that can just we just really barely know each other to you know servants or friends or children or even a bride you know it's a very very deepening of relationship so but when we have faith we're not just believing we are interacting and um and because of that interaction we know that you can't you can't have a relationship with god for long before you start to see that interaction making opportunities for us to be fruitful. Like, there's something that can come from having that personal, intimate relationship with God, and that, wow, there's something that came from that, that I became fruitful. So, I want to take a look at belief and faith in the Bible, and what we'll find is that there's something amazing to discover. So, we're going to start with Genesis 15, verse 6, which is a classic. And that says that Avram, who we all know as Abraham, but Abraham is, of course, the covenant name of Avram. Originally, he was born Avram. So, Avram believed the Lord, and the Lord, Yahweh, counted it to Avram as righteousness. So there's something very special about how Avram believed that Avram's belief stirred God in a in a particular way, and we want to discover that way. So that's the word belief. Now I just want to include to this conversation the word faith. So here's Psalm 106, verse 24. So then they despise the pleasant land, this is the Israelites, having no faith in the promise of Yahweh, the promise of God. And um, so th- what we find is that in English we have two different words because they're two expressions, but it's actually one word in Hebrew. So belief, from Genesis 15.6, and faith from Psalm 106, verse 24 is the same word, and that word is aman. So, aman, which is Hebrew 539 or 0539, is a primitive root verb made from aleph, mem, and nun. And so, when we look at aman, we will see that it has multiple expressions as a verb, of of expressing faithfulness, expressing reliability, being supportive, um, and also believing. And but taking aman from its Hebrew consonants, and then just looking at that spirit revealed covenant, what we see is this strength that comes f- uh, to the royal priest from intimacy. Mm. And so belief and faith, which are the same word in Hebrew, are all about the impact on us from having intimacy with God. So it's not just what we accept as being truth, but it's it's how our relationship with God transforms us, how it affects us. And um, so, that, that is really incredible. In English, of course, to us, they really kind of have different meanings when you look at faith as being a relationship. But in Hebrew, there's no difference. It's, it's all one word, and it's aman. And, um, and it means, it, to us, it's going to mean we become strong as royal priests when we're intimate with God. So, um, first of all, let's just look at that word aman. We, we might remember it because it comes back from our infamous faithful and true chapter, which tells us that um Aman is the root word of amen so amen <laughs> and so when we say amen, we're saying Amon and um, Aman and amen both have in their root meaning faithful faithfulness and true so when we see Jesus in Revelation one verse 18, being described as the Amen, the faithful and true, which is Revelation 3, verse 14, then we we're able to, oh my goodness, yeah, that that every time we say Amen, we're saying faithful and true. And so if you remember that, go back to Aman, and Aman is our word for both belief and faith. Wow. So that's our, our root verb. And, um, and so, but what about the nouns? Like, what if you have a belief, or what if you have faith in something, and it's a noun now? Well, it, all of those words, and there's very few in Hebrew, but they're all derivatives of amon. So, emunah, which is the noun feminine version of amon, and that's that's uh, Hebrew f- 530, and enum, enun with an N is a noun masculine, and that's Hebrew 529. So, all of our um, forms of faith in the Bible, at least that I found, all come from this one word, which is amon. So, now we have it all together. Amon is our belief. Amon is our faith. And they, they both are about what happens to us when we're intimate with God. Okay. So, that was my first conversation with God. From Genesis 15.6, that Avram, who is Abraham, believed the Lord, and the Lord, which is Yahweh, counted it to Avram as righteousness. Counted it to him as righteousness. So now I'm having this conversation with God about intervention, and you re- might remember intervention is a sample prayer from the very first book, Terraforming for the Kingdom, all about asking God to intervene when somebody's somebody's like um, being obstinate <laughs> or. You know, their their will is set against the truth, and we can dismantle the deceptions, but we can't force someone to, to believe something differently. And so, we ask God to intervene, and that's where that all came from. We used to pray that, and we still do, but we used to pray that a lot at the beginning uh, 15 years ago. So, um, I'm having this conversation with Elohim because I'm seeing God intervene in my life, and, uh, and I know it's just the goodness of God. It's like, I've made a choice, and God wants to support my choice. And so, when I start veering from my choice, I feel God opposing me. And that opposition is intervention mm-hmm. and I'm like oh thank you lord I mean you know I'm I'm not I'm not necessarily gracious or grat- grateful at the time but but immediately I, I I return I'm like oh, lord wow it's good to
0: be opposed
1: it's good to be opposed when you're about to walk and step into like fall into a pit and hurt yourself terribly so intervention was the second conversation now listen to this insanity so I'm asking Papa for a Bible verse for intervention, and this is what God gives me, and I'm about to pass out. So, this is Psalm 106, verse 30 through 31. So, then Phinehas, do you remember finas? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, that's the, the royal priest from uh, the book of Numbers in the uh, very, very early, thousands of years ago. Then Phinehas stood up and intervened, and the plague was stayed. Listen to this, and that was counted to him as righteousness.
0: Hmm.
1: So, when Phinas intervened, Elohim counted it to Phinas as righteousness from generation to generation forever. There are only two instances in the entire Bible where individuals expressed something that so moved God that God counted it to them as righteousness. And and here it is in these two conversations I'm having with Elohim this week. And I have no idea that this is the case until Elohim brings out the second Bible verse, and I'm on the floor. And so, I did this whole research just to make sure, and there was no other example that I found where that happened. So, let's take a look at, well, first of all, let's, yeah, let's take a look at this word intervention. So, the word intervention is palau and polal is hebrew 6419 and it too is a primitive root verb it's made from pay lamed and lamed so two lameds and when you know when you think of intervention you're probably thinking well um, this is like being an intermediary that affects whatever the ramification or the you know whatever the ramification is of something that's happening i've intervened in that and so i'm the intermediary but it's also a word for intercession. Mm. It's a word for the cessors. I like it. So, it's an expression. It's when a cesses. <laughs> so, if you're cessing, you are paulalling. Yeah. So, <sighs> I mean, I added an ing to a Hebrew word, but it was fun to listen to. Yes. So, you paulall. And um, so, what's really cool in this is that we know as a priest that Finas was was in a constant place of intimacy with Elohim and um, so we know this story. this is numbers chapter 25 verse 10 through 13 when Finas took action he he had this relationship with God, he was intimate with God and and from that intimacy there was a passion for anything that would separate all of these people from God's presence. And so when Finas saw something that was sep- would separate the people, in Psalm 106, it says the plague was stayed. So this plague was the fruit. It would have it would have separated them from God and there would have been a plague as the fruit. And so when Finas intervened, that it it stayed the plague. And and Finas did that because of his passion for Elohim. And so the spirit Revealed covenant of Palau is to speak with the authority of the King of Kings, to speak with the authority of Jesus. And so um, when we intercede, when we cess as cessors, we are speaking with the authority of Jesus. And all of this comes from intervention. And and so what these are two extremely powerful things and you know every christian should know this it's like oh my gosh you know even though it's not like you know we we're trying to you know this isn't us trying to get saved by works this is something beautiful this is look at how god described even from the beginning intimacy will change us. Intimacy will transform us. Intimacy will make us strong when we have Aman, when we express that faith, that faithfulness and that belief through our intimacy. And with Palau, we get this authority the authority of Jesus in our words, and it all came from intimacy. It's not just that we accepted something as truth, but we had relationship with God. We spent time with God. We were interactive with God. We poured our hearts out and said anything because we were passionately desperate to to connect with the one that we love, but we also stopped and listened yeah. And we let Elohim talk. We let God talk. And we listen to what God say. And we and we trusted and believed that from our dialogue that God was in motion in our lives and that our answer may not be audible. You know, God may not just say go to Nineveh. You know, God may actually, you know, show us something that we see, that we hear, that we understand. We may just live our life for the next day or week or more, and and have that answer that God gives us, you know, before us. It's in motion. One of the things really neat about this, and, and I just, you know, I, I was kind of shocked when I heard it. This is not written in the Bible. I'm just telling you what God said to me, that's all. So, Abraham and Phinas, God said to me, are fathers of the bride. That was like, wow, okay. I mean, so, that, what does this mean to us today? You know, that Avram believed, Avram had man, and it, and God counted it to, to Avram as righteousness. That Finas stood up and intervened, and God counted it to him as righteousness. The only two examples of that in the Bible. So, what does that mean to us? Well, you know, here are two men that were that were fathers. You know, you can't miss that. Avram, you know, Abraham is the father of the Israelites. Mm-hmm. And uh, Finas, if you've tracked with us for even just the last four years, you know what a big deal Finas is in the royal priesthood. Finas is the eighth great-grandfather of Tzedak, Tzedak who was priest at the, um, the latter half of David's, David's uh, kingdom that uh, was loyal to David and loyal to Solomon. And so, God was so moved by that that God named the, the order, order of priesthood the, to be the sons of Sadoc. Um, so, you have that royal house of David and that priestly sons of Sadoc, and those two are, are put into one person through the order of Melchizedek, or Melchizedek, and that's Jesus, of course, you know, the high priest, but we all have access to that through Jesus. So, these are pretty important people in the Bible, you know, especially to us. And so, I I just was was really connecting with God about that, with Zadok's, uh, you know, role in the, the future kingdom, you know, according to Ezekiel 40, verse 46, you know, there's just such a wow to this. And so I wanted to look at that word counted as because you know counted counted to Finasa's righteousness counted to Avram's righteousness. What is that word? So that word is chashab or chashav. You know, depending on who you ask, I've heard it both ways. But just never ask me. Just never ask me. There's a bait at the end, but you know, for some reason, sometimes in certain examples, yeah. bait is pronounced with a vav. So, you have that. But anyway, chashab, or chashab, is Hebrew 28.03. So, that's chet, shin, and bait. And and here is this description of the way that their intimacy with God and the fruit that they produced from that intimacy. So, how it transformed them moved God. And it affected the way God saw them. Like God had an esteem, an esteem. And that's part of chashab is an esteem. How do we esteem someone or something? So, Avram and Finas were esteemed by God because of their intimacy with God and and the fruit that came from it. And um, so, that, that word, you know, I, I don't want to necessarily get this big spirit revealed covenant from it, but... But what it what 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 we do know from it is that it was the purity of their covenant caused them to be seated, S E E D E D, not S E A T E D. Well, that probably both, both yeah. but S E E D E D. They were they were seated. God filled them with the seed. To, to be transformed and to transform others. And it all came from intimacy. So, just looking at these two words, which of going back originally, Aman and Palau, we have intimacy that brings strength and authority. And so, we are transformed by our intimacy with God. And you know, while this is like, my Lord, how many different mm-hmm. ways are we going to say the same thing, right? But look at how this draws together what we believe, what we have faith in, and, and how we intervene on God's behalf for the world. Like, God has intervened for us, but when we have intimacy with God, not only do we become stronger, but God gives us the authority to intervene for the world. And that's how we success. You know, our intercession comes from that Amman faith and that Palau intercession, that Palau intervention. And so, anyway, I'm just blown away again at how God brought together these two totally separate <laughs> conversations for us to be able to say, our intimacy will make us stronger. Our intimacy will give us the authority to speak, and our intimacy will cause us to be seated, to be transformed, and to transform the world as the bride.
0: Well, I am right with you as you're gonna soon discover. <laughs> Ta-da. Ta-da. Okay, so we are about to enter into a new Hebrew month. And so, this is a a really great time to remind you about the card set from August Rush, where each of the months and different uh, facets of the month are described. The tribes, the gate, um, the rest word, the dimension, all of that is on there. And, uh, And an amazing part of it is on each month, it tells you what podcast from last year we talked about this so maybe um something you can do going forward is to write down the date of the podcast of this year mm. so you have the two together so on uh Hezvan, which is the month we're going to be talking about uh the podcast from last year was 10 12 21 so you could write alongside that 10 25 22 and you could go and get a real, um, a real study going, I guess, on on each of these parts of our journey. And so on those cards, um, Aida, whose idea it was to put those podcast dates. So thank you, Aida. Um, she went to those podcasts of last year and and pulled out in each of the topics I wanted to have be part of each. Each of those cards, and and pulled out keywords that she found as um, as she was listening. Thank you again, Aida. And uh, so it's worth going back and listening to the full context of it. So here we are, right on the cusp of the month of Hezvah, and Hezvan is a month. So we've just come from all the feasts, and Hezvan has. No feasts, and it has no even uh, sober days. Days of of remembrance of of hard things in the history, and so it can feel like a month of of not much until you realize it's it's a month of so much. Mm. So it's a it's a month, a time to pause and consider, and to really wait with the Lord. So um I'm going to touch briefly on on different aspects but there's two areas of Hezvon that I really feel like are important focuses for us especially um in in what you just shared. So so remember that in Hezvon they began planting the seeds um that were brought all those first fruit of seeds that were brought to Uh, Sukkot, to the Feast of Tabernacles. And, you know, when you've planted, once you've planted, there's a real satisfied feeling when you have planted, but then there is a weight, you know, and you can't see what's happening. You can't see what's going on beneath the surface, but faith causes you to remember who He is, what He does, and how He grows how he brings forth all that he has he has said. So, Papa's heart in the month of Hezvan, in the time where you're, there's not a lot visually that you're seeing happening, it doesn't feel as tangible, that there would be no counterfeit, no substitution. His heart is for us to be pierced just as that ground was pierced It is pierced for each seed to go in. And in fact, our tabernacle is the sufferer, and numerous stars within it mean to pierce, to wound, or to open. And we can find some of those words in Genesis 3.15, which says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, He shall crush your head and you shall crush, you shall crush his head and he shall crush your heel. So, the point of that is, here's this reminder that we are able to recognize the enemy. That's what this enmity is, it's recognition. So, in a time that it would be easy to be complacent because not as much is happening, We are pierced to our source and we are able to recognize what the enemy's doing. So we don't fall into complacency. We stay in expectancy of who, who Papa is. So the tribe is Manasseh. And what I just want to highlight about them is they were known for forgetting their hardships because they remembered who God was. And so, there are. there's so much we're meant to remember, but there are also things we're meant to forget. And those hardships are one of those. So, the battle at the gate is looking at, and so this just ties to this enmity, this being pierced, so we recognize, we recognize the enemy even more, we recognize our God. Because the battle is looking at what could come, you know, all these swirling things, these bad things that could happen, and giving up on the one who is coming, looking at what the enemy could do, and not at all God has done. And then the rest word is Shava, and it's, it's to let him love you, to agree with, with God's love, for you to agree with the love of Hel- Elohim. Okay, so now I want to get to one of our main topics, which is the system. So the way that um, Elohim described our body systems to me is their their asterisms. They identify us as His, and together it's an orchestra, you know, and it it reveals the harmony. That we have with heaven. And so that's our journey in healing is to have harmony restored so that our song is released fully from us. And uh, so this past month, we'd been looking at the respiratory system. And I'm so grateful that um, Elohim highlighted. That this year that we'd be looking at each of these systems and going a little deeper because it ended up being huge for me on the first, you know, the first day of tishri, I came down with bronchitis, and um, so one of the things Papa had already said was to look at each of these systems, each of these areas of our body, and there would be much that he would reveal, but one area would be unresolved grief. And this was pretty specific to respiratory. So, for me, I found a pretty big um, pocket of that. Um, when I heard the word bronchitis, I had not had bronchitis since I was much younger, and, uh, but I used to have it every year. And so, I um, would miss nearly a month of school. Every year, and always at the holidays. So I missed all of the holiday celebrations and just all that time with my friends. And you know, I'm doing my work at home, and um, and my parents both work. So I was really isolated. So I, I just realized something um, that I hadn't grieved from those those years because it was years. It was every single year, like from a baby up through you know, at least junior high, and, and probably a few times in high school. But anyway, so it, it just led me to that. And when I began gleaning from that grief, each day there was just healing and healing. And um, yeah, so it was a really powerful thing for me. So now, our system for Hezvon is the renal system. And this is just gonna, I think, freak you out because it it did me. So, the renal system, it's like the filtration system, the kidneys are a big, big part of the renal system. And so, the kidneys have some really uh, significant roles in the body, obviously, but um, I want to highlight a couple of those. So, one of the roles of the kidneys is to regulate our blood pressure, So, if if we've got a blood pressure issue, the kidneys are really a seat of that, because they affect the the blood and fluid volume in our body, and um, they also, there's a part of the endocrine system that's in the kidneys, and there's a hormone that affects the blood pressure and so you've got filtration happening. Our pH balance is regulated there. I mean, there's so much that happens. Um, the beginning of new glucose comes there, and we're eliminating wastes and toxins through the kidneys. Um, vitamin D is really connected to the kidneys. So, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try to go real sciencey on this, but, but. Um I just want to highlight those areas. I want to share just a moment about kidney in Hebrew. So the Hebrew word for kidney is kilyah. It's a feminine noun and it only appears in plural form because there are two kidneys. This word is found in psalm many many places but I'm going to highlight Psalm 73:21 and it's where david says when his heart was embittered he was pierced and that that's a paraphrase but basically he says his heart was embittered and his kidneys were pierced so the heart is the seat of the mind our thoughts and intentions the kidneys are known to be the seat of our emotions Throughout scriptures, when there's something about in the midst of the man, you know, the center, the seat of the man, it's the kidneys that are being referred to, which can sound kind of weird. And I remember, I think, Edge talking about this once, and she's like, it's the kidneys, who knew? So, we have these seats in us. So, we've got the heart, which is the seat of our thoughts and our intentions, and our kidneys is the seat of our emotions. So, Psalm 23, 15 through 16 says, My son, if your heart is wise, then my heart will also be glad. Yes, my inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak what is right. So, that inmost being is the kidneys. Okay, so the word for kidney and the word for feeling, they share a root word. And so, the word for feelings is kiliot, And it's derived from a a word which means vessel, article, utensils, goods, and stuff. Now, the word used in the scripture, Psalm 73, 21, and Proverbs 23, 15 through 16. So, the word used for kidneys comes, it's the root word that comes, it's a word that comes from the root kala which means to be completed or finished. Now, we've talked about this, and I don't remember which chapter, which book. So, kalah is the word that Jesus used when He said, it is finished on the cross, and it shares a root with kalah. So, the first one is K-A-L-A-H. The other word is K-A-L-L-A-H, and it means daughter-in-law or bride. So, when Jesus said, it is finished, He was saying, this is given for the bride, for the bride to be complete. And now here, kidneys mean that. Our inmost being means that. So, there's a, a two-letter root within this that means all or every. So, if something is all together, when it's brought together, there's no lack, When a vessel is completed, it means it's filled and being used for its purpose. So, the kidneys relate to us being filled and walking in our purpose as the bride. And it's the seat, not just of our emotions, but our deepest emotions. So, the kidneys are vessels. They do what they do by filtering and secreting and absorbing their function is really to keep the body in balance. That is also what our emotions are meant to do. Our innermost emotions are meant to keep us in balance because the, this place is the seat of the tenderest and deepest emotions. And there's something that it reveals these deepest emotions these tenderest things reveal the better or the best part so the kidneys were often for, of the animals were given in the offerings or the sacrifices and it was considered the best part so our kidneys that part of us is to reveal the best part of us as the bride so we've we've offered our emotions our emotions are actually an offering that we give to the Lord. So, we're offering Him our deepest things, our deepest emotions, our deepest feelings, so that we can be then unhindered in the best part of us as the bride. We're revealing the bride. So, the healing of our kidneys— is just, I mean, it sounds so funny, but it's a huge part of us as the bride because it's, um, it's it reveals our embittered places, those places where um, our kidneys are not yet rejoicing. Our kidneys rejoice when right is spoken. So if we're speaking fear, resentment, bitterness anger, if those are the emotions coming from the seat of us, then we're not going to be in balance. And so, it's releasing those things, offering those things to Papa, to Elohim, so that we can then get to the best part, what we really feel, what we really are tender for, what we truly, it, it reveals our intimacy, The kidneys are our place of intimacy within, you know, physically within us. And so we get to offer these deep things. And a huge part of this is unresolved grief, because that often leads to these embitterments and resentments and fears. Because when we glean from grief, we go through those four covenants. And in the third, portion in inheritance, we're, we're discovering all the covenant that, that lay within that relationship or that dream or that circumstance or that season, but we're also seeing the condition, the things that need to be pruned so that when we, when we go from, from there and begin to rebuild, we're rebuilding with, with inheritance and not, not those the things of condition. Okay, so I just thought that was really cool. It's like the bridal seat our kidneys are. So, in Hezvan, it is said that during this time is when the Messiah would rebuild the temple. Well, we are the temple, so Hezvan is a time that we can allow ourselves to be um, restored from the inside out. Because Hezvan is all about sustainable growth. It feels like a barren season, but we get to look at what does it, you know, what do we suppose is happening? What does it look like is happening? And can we really choose the truth of that? Do we start to um, draw conclusions or that kind of thing when we can't see? So, part of the the process after something has been planted is the seeds lie dormant, or they appear to, but what is happening is they're being promoted to a stronger growth. In this process, they're being brought to a stronger growth, Just and that is a part of um, even the kidneys. It's a picture that intimacy strengthens us because it's, as we're going through that, healing anything that hinders is offered and we're strengthened by intimacy, just like you are saying, but that is actually sewn in to the kidneys. So, I'm just going to keep saying it because it's so cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, Hezvan is a lull. It's a time to prepare for the fruitfulness of the future, one of the things we get to see in the pause is, do we do better in seasons of quick growth? And so, do we struggle in the longer process of growth that there sometimes is? Also, in Hezvan, we get to look at roots. We get to look at our root issues. So, before everything does go dormant, that's when we want to look and we want to see any unhealthy roots. This, of course, ties to what we were saying about the kidneys. But we want to find the roots that are wrapped around our identity, but aren't what Papa planted. And will those things that will end up choking out the good that is coming. There can be lingering bitter roots. Um, but any unhealthy root keeps the good roots from having room for their spring shoots. And so, we want to make sure that we don't have that, that mixture, that um, the substitution, anything that's opposite of, of Papa. And so, one of the things that we get to see during Hezvan is we get to see ourselves as heirs, heirs of every seed. Every seed that Elohim has given from the beginning, from the let there be. And so, as we're looking at those roots, we get to reevaluate our doings um, and how they replace our beings. Um, all the things we're doing, how are they connected to the future that He has, that Elohim has, and the daily living of it? It will reveal rest that is real, and it allows us to find our feet, to get our footing again. And we get to really surrender to daily bread. So, that takes us to our dimension, which is goba and height. So, I've been talking to Papa about this, Um, well, and Jesus and El Shaddai, So, Elohim, about this, just in different components, as we're coming to the heights and during Sukkot, we shared last week about those psalms of ascent, those 15 psalms that the the travelers would, would sing on their way to the feast, and the priest would go up those 15 steps and there's 15 psalms of ascent, and they would sing those psalms when they got to that, well, as they were ascending, as they were going up. So, knowing that this was our dimension coming, I was really asked about that. How to prepare for the, for the heights, how to be prepared for that. And what Elohim said was, go low. So, what that has looked like is actually, for the past days, I've been just becoming prostrate on the ground. I'm just lying face down on the floor and surrendering to the day. I'm acknowledging He's for me, and my anticipation for who He's going to be in the day is heightened. So, one of the things that's been happening is I begin to recognize who I need Him to be in the day. Do I need Him to be provision, protection, um, any, any aspect of who the Lord is? I get to, in that place of pause and just humbleness, acknowledge my need for the fullness of Elohim, and even call out to who I'm going to need most in the day. Uh, David did this. He made this choice every morning. And in Psalm 121, which is one of the Psalms of Ascent, we see he had no fear of the future. Now, one of the things that happens going low is that we will often talk about the opposition. You know, David would often begin with, this is who you are, this is what I'm experiencing, this is who you are. Um, And so, you know, you were talking about that when we're opposed, and something I've been seeing in that just face-down time is I'm able to see the difference and this has been part of my heart coming into Hezvan, I want to be able to sort the difference in when there's opposition and when Papa is opposing me. When he's saying, hey, you're getting off the path. And when there's opposition of the enemy and really being able to sift that to walk through that differently. So, I am just coming and um, just going low so that I can ascend with Him into every day, can ascend with the fullness of who God is to me into every day, and I can see, I find the expectations that will hinder that day, and then can come to the expectancy of of who He really can be in the day if I'll let him be. So it's it's daily bread, but it's surrendering to it, like believing it's good, that everything in it is good and finding the ways where I put a different view of things because of what happened the day before, or all the things I need to do today, all of that, it just gets surrendered when you go low. And then there's been this incredible journey of ascending. Um, to ascend means to see where He is in the world. So, each day as I go low and then we rise up together, we ascend together, I see where He is in the world. I get a new view of what's happening, what it means to Elohim, what it means to them. Um, I realize the ability that I've been given to see the Lord within each day. And I also get to see history. I get to see all the places that Elohim has been praised, and I get to join in that praise, and that's part of the ascent. To ascend is ma'aloth, it means to go up. Um, as you read the Psalms of Ascent, and I'm I'm pretty devoted to that. Going into Hezbon and this being our um, the heights being our dimension, there's different things spoken in in those Psalms of Ascent. One of them is no fear of the future, knowing that you are held, knowing that He is your stronghold, your fortified city. There is a, a Scripture that ties to the ascent, and it's Psalm 84 7. And it speaks of passing through the valley and making a place of springs, finding what is meant to rise up, what is meant to rise up from his heart to the world. You know, the Psalms of Ascent are sung on the way to the feast, and I've been realizing over the past days that. We're really always on our way to a feast. The spaces between the feast are preparation and the prompting to the journey towards the feast. From Psalm 84 7, it also says that, because this is about ascending, Psalm 84 is also about ascending to the feast. It says that the people will continue to grow stronger each appearing before God, and that appearing is a rest word, and it ties to Shavah, to let yourself be loved. That's one of the ways we ascend is to let ourselves be loved. And when our strength is in the Lord, we pass through the valleys and we find wells of supply and pools of blessing those are the things that rise up. They ascend. His blessings ascend. His supply ascends. His provision does that. And we then move from victory to victory. So, I have an invitation. I I gave it last week, but um, I want to give it specifically for Hezvan to be reading the Psalms of Ascent to get a deeper understanding of what the heights are, and so, it's, again, Psalm 120 through 134. And I've been, uh, this past week, in Psalm 121. And it's the story of the travelers on the journey. And there's this moment, what well, begins with a traveler, and he's looking at the hills in the distance, and he's wondering and, and possibly fearing what it's like on the other side of those mountains. And begins to have the idea that this journey may be long and may be recognizing within himself uh, how he likes the faster trails, but has said yes to this, to this path. And, and there's this, um, this idea that comes forth in Yahweh, one, sorry, Psalm 121, which is Yahweh your keeper. And there's something really interesting before this phrase is used, there's like this ladder of letters. So, there's 58 syllables that precede Yahweh, your keeper, and then there's 58 syllables that follow it. So, it's like the going up, and the coming down, the going up and the coming down. And it's all about Yahweh, our keeper, the one who protects and keeps, who watches, who guards and preserves, the one who helps us with our obscured views, the one who gives us a different view than the one that we had. And then it moves into our travel together, that um, there was this idea that You know, as you're traveling, they learned to travel together because there were, there would be thieves that lied in wait, or there was weather that caused, you know, that turned and uh, caused them to pause. And what they discovered together was that they were all just as in need of help as the other person. There was not one in greater need, they were all experiencing the same thing. And so, their need was the same. And so, they came together in their need and realized that that need exceeded what they could do for each other. And the best thing they could do with each other was to go to to God and to seek Him for their needs so it could be met. And that's one of our invitations as we go together is not to try to fix it for each other, not to give all the information we have about it to each other, but to seek Him together. Our need is great. Our need is unified. Our need is of you. We need you. We have gone so far past what we can do for ourselves, and there's something so beautiful and so powerful And acknowledging our need together when we see um, we see that our need unifies us, and we can call out to Him together, and we don't have to have every answer or all the information, or, if you just do this, but, hey, let's come together and seek Him about this. um it says in Psalm 121 that the protector of Israel does not sleep. So much of the Psalms were always countering, they were trying to remove these substitutions that the world had, so that Papa's heart was revealed. The ancient pagan people believed that their God slept or hibernated in the winter. And so, here's, here's, this This being said, our God doesn't sleep. He doesn't hibernate. though there's things happening beneath the ground, be below our view, what we can't see, something's happening. Our God doesn't sleep. He's not like those gods. There was always this this heartbeat to reveal my God isn't like those gods, our God. And the power came so much when it was our God, when it was the unified God, when it was Elohim, the God of the people. He's not like those gods. He's not like those sources. He's not like those substitutions. And together they were revealing, this is who our God is. Don't you want to know Him too? And that was part of journeying together. So, Hezvon, lots of ascending.
1: Hezvon, everybody. (laughs) Well, it really does move us to seek God this season Mm -hmm. and know that God is not sleeping. We can go low to ascend. Yeah. That's a t-shirt.
0: Yeah. And then you know what? We'll be really rehearsed for when we come to the dimension of depth. Because we'll already have been exploring there.
1: We've been down low. Yep. We love you guys.
0: See you tonight.